nothing for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? Welcome to That's Deep Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. I'm um, your host, Christina Pajitsky, and this is a solo cast, and I'm coming to you from a remote location. This time, I am re- I am reporting to you, reporting to you. <clears throat> I'm doing the show in, in a hotel room. I'm, like, stranded in Washington, D.C. I wouldn't say stranded, but I feel that way because it's so freaking cold outside, and um, it's actually like 27 degrees, but to me that feels like, you know, minus 13. I, I can't even go outside. And um, I didn't even know if I was going to make it here this week because there's snowstorms, incredible snowstorms. And I didn't sleep the night before last because I was like, oh, my flight's going to get canceled and I won't be able to rebook it. And then I can't. I can't come to Washington, D.C. and do my shows, and they're going to have to cancel my shows. <laughs> right? Panic. Chaos. That's what happens in my brain. Instead of like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sure uh, everything will resolve itself, and I'll be, you know, able to handle what comes. I-, I panicked instead. All right, guys, is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I'm in this hotel room. There's snow uh, everywhere. Um, which is something I'm not used to. <laughs> but I'm here. I'm here and I'm gonna I'm gonna put this pod I put this podcast together for you guys. This is something I've been thinking about like so much since um well since the Andy Haynes episode, Recovery in the Twelve Steps, and from all this mayhem when I did that episode with Full Charge, we were talking about, you know, whether or not you can transcend or overcome your past. Um, so today I'm going to talk a little bit about that and perception and the philosophy of, of uh, perception. How do we know things? And what does that mean for us? And what the fuck does it mean to stay present? You know, I feel like that's a, a catchphrase we hear and, and, and I feel like that's the answer to all my problems, right? Like, just stay in the moment, bro. Just stay present. And I feel like I'm not really sure I know what that means. I don't. I really don't. Because, like, if I did stay present, then I wouldn't have been panicky all night before this flight. I would have been able to, like, deal with the uncertainty of this week a bit better. But I didn't. You know why? Because we aren't just people that are able to be in the present moment. Because we're people that come with backgrounds and baggage and emotional memories and and, and body memories and we'll fuck we'll get into all of that later but first 
Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. A little bit of business. Thank you so much for your emails, guys. I do read them. I don't always respond to them. Um, just because, like, I, I get I get weird with feelings and emotions, <laughs> honestly. But I really do appreciate the emails you guys have sent me thanking me for doing the show. It's awesome. And it, it really does make it all worthwhile. Because sometimes you're like, what the f- what the fuck is going on here? What am I doing? So thank you. Also, let's see. What else? What else? Follow me on Twitter at Christina P. I got an Instagram. Oh, hey, man. Do your Amazon shopping through my banner. I know there's many podcasts that asks you for your Amazon love. If you can, please do it through that's deepbropodcast.com. Click on my Amazon banner to do your shopping. And what that does is kick back some change to the show. And it really helps uh, me out. Because there are costs to doing these podcasts, believe it or not. Uh, oh, God, I made the mistake of eating uh, tomato soup in a bread bowl. You know, like, the way I just, all, all I wanted was a bowl of tomato soup. But then when somebody's like, but do you want it in a bread bowl? <laughs> I mean, who the hell am I to refuse a bread bowl? It's so exciting, right? It kind of makes your whole life really exciting for like five seconds and then you get it, and you're like, this is gross. The bread is, it's all soggy, and it doesn't, the fantasy of it was way better than the actual execution of it. And um, you just, I'm like scooping soggy bread into my tomato soup, and I didn't have the heart to be like, yeah, this is gross, bro. This is just the, the fantasy of fun, not, not the reality. Not, 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 not the reality. Another thing, don't call my house on a Sunday. <laughs> Don't you hate when people call your fucking house on a Sunday for business? Oh, hold on. I got to plug this computer in. I'm a dope. Hold on. I hate when people call my house on a Sunday. It's the Lord's Day, man. You got it. Everybody needs a down day. Everybody needs a Sabbath, right? The Jews do it. The Christians do it. You got to have a down day. A day people don't call your house. Don't come knocking on my door on a Saturday. That's when I'm laying in bed with the wife. That's what John Spencer says. All right. I guess this is it. This is what I got for you. Here we go. How do we even stay present? I I really don't... I don't fucking get that, man. Here's the uh, philosophical bits behind it. So... Today, I've gone back into my philosophy book, Vaults. I do, in fact, have a bookcase in my home. Um, I should post a picture of it. It's it's embarrassing. I'm, I'm a bit of a hoarder. I hoard my favorite books. And um, <laughs> some of them I'm not very proud of. Some of them are just like embarrassing titles that I've owned over the years. But then they're my beloved, beloved philosophy books. And uh, this week I pulled out a wonderful one. Um, the Primacy of Perception by Maurice Malou Bondy. As usual, I love the French. 
I, I love the French and the German philosophers. The Germans for their rigor and the French for their absolute disregard of that rigor. <laughs> the French, they're always like, yes, life is so complicated, but so what? We are having sex. We love to smoke cigarettes. We die. It doesn't matter. And then the Germans are like, nein, it matters. Everything is important. And that's my perception of philosophy. So Maurice Malieu-Ponty, I'm sure I'm not saying this correctly. So this guy is known as a phenomenologist. Uh, what the fuck is phenomenology exactly? I studied phenomenology. I took like a 400 level course or whatever um, in college. And it's like, okay, so you've got your Heidegger, but that comes after Husserl. This guy Husserl, he's like the big dog, Edmund Husserl, a German, okay? And, um, and he pretty much starts phenomenology. Uh, how do I put this? Okay, so phenomenology studies conscious experience as experience from the subjective point of view, okay? Um, it's, it's not like, uh, okay, and, and the importance of this is that before that, we had Rene Descartes, the person that I like to say ruined all of Western philosophy and took us on a bizarre journey of doubting everything, right? So Descartes comes along and um, he's going to doubt everything. He's going to doubt the external world. Do we even know the external world exists? We don't know shit. All I know he doesn't say oh, we don't know shit, but what he does say <laughs> is the only thing that we know for certain is that I am a doubt that I'm doubting right now. So he says, well, look, if I'm able to doubt, I must exist. Certainly, I must exist. Um, and how do I know that I'm not being tricked about the outside world? Well, because God exists and God is not this evil deceiver. Uh, therefore, the external world exists. So that causes a, a big problem in philosophy because, number one, there's this what's known as the subject-object split. <sighs> Jesus Christ. And also Descartes, Descartes separated the mind from the body, which is fucking bizarre. I, I don't know. The, the point is, it started this whole thing in philosophy of how do we know things? Do we know the thing in itself? What is the essences of these things in themselves? And then Kant came along and he ruined philosophy, talking about shit like phenomena versus noumena, you know, the external appearance of things versus the essential nature of things. And how do I extract the essence of things through, you know, their phantasms that the object infringes upon our senses and we interpret sense data like we're these meat organs that sense data you know, bounces on and then what the fuck? Uh, it doesn't even make sense. I always, I never understood why white guys complicated reality so much. And I have a feeling that the phenomenologists agree with me because what Husserl does, the genius of Husserl is he comes along and he goes, look, look, bros, listen up. We can't, I can't, I can't tell you what, ob what uh, objectively exists. Okay. I don't know if the table exists. And in fact, all I can tell you is my experience, let's say, of the table. So why don't we go ahead and bracket that question? And that's his word, to bracket something. Let's not, let's not even go there, bros, because nobody can do it. Let's just bracket that question for now. 
hey, and let's deal with the facts of reality, of what we perceive. And that reality is that perception is subjective, right? So let's just focus on how my perception of something works and uh, let's, let's go from there. And that's kind of what I am understanding phenomenology to be. Um, it's a little more, I guess, with the introduction of modern psychology, um, philosophy was sort of integrating those things. You know, I, I, I know I crap on Descartes. It's only because when you study philosophy as an undergraduate, they, they push that cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, argument down your throat every fucking week. That and the fucking allegory, Plato's allegory of the cave, it just, it made me crazy. Crazy. I think what makes me so angry about Descartes, too, is like, what, why are we, wh- who's, who's getting into this crap about whether or not the couch exists? It's kind of, it kind of doesn't matter because I'm dealing with the reality of the couch. And if everyone else can kind of consensually agree upon that there is a couch, who gives a shit what the essential nature of the couch is? We're all, we're all consenting to this hallucination. So let's start from there. And that's where phenomenology I shit from what I remember is kind of the starting point. Okay. So Husserl, this awesome Husserl, uh, proposed a radical new phenomenological way of looking at objects by examining how we, in our many ways of being, um, and we call it, it's called intentional, right? You have an intent. Consciousness is always placed on something. You have to intentionally direct your consciousness at something to have the object of consciousness, Right. God, it's so ridiculous. Okay, so... Okay, how do you know stuff? It's not just one one time you look at... Uh, how do you know how to define something as a couch, let's say, right? Husserl is going to say, it's not just one experience with a couch. You're going to have several experiences with a couch. Over time, in different epoches, that's his fancy word, you're going to, over time, see enough couches to derive a sense of what their essence would be like. But he want, I think he wants to stay away from that essence stuff. So he's going to call it the transcendental line that we all kind of agree on what that's going to be. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm thoroughly confused myself. Here's the point. What Husserl does, and which is awesome, is that things have meaning within a context. We're not brains in the jars like Descartes said with this subject-object thing. Like, we, we exist in a world, the Lebenswelt, a life world, as he says. It's all contextual, and they happen over time, and it's not just this fucking random thing of, can I abstract? Like, no, 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 it's, it's in the world. And um, this is based on Franz Brentano and Carl Stumpf. These are guys, these are psychologists. I don't, I've never read Brentano or Stumpf. So, and barely, listen, I could barely get through Husserl. I remember I had a book about five inches thick. Oh my God, it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. But anyway, I tell you about Husserl because it's how we get to Molu Pontille. Oh, oh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Basically, Marlou Ponty comes along and he loves his role. He's a fan of him. He's homie of him. And we have Descartes before. Remember, he said, I, I am a mind whose sole purpose is to think. That's Descartes' position. He separates the mind from the body. Marlou Ponty comes along and he says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, you silly, silly man, Descartes. How can you separate uh, your mind from your body? It kind of doesn't work that way. You know, because we are embedded in this body that has senses and sense perception. And we are of the flesh of the world. That's what the wonderful phrase that he uses, um, the fresh, the, the, the flesh of the world. So, he essentially, Marlou Ponty, here I'll read the description, was led to recognize that one's own body is not only a thing, a potential object of study for science, but is also a permanent condition of experience, a constituent of the perceptual one openness, sorry, openness to the world. Isn't that interesting? And I know it sounds ridiculous. Uh, the primacy of profession signifies a primacy of experience, so to speak, insofar as perception becomes an active and constitutive dimension. You know, the phenomenologists, they love, like Heidegger loved to, to have this idea of being in the world, of something revealing itself to you as opposed to you placing meaning upon it. It's a slight distinction, but it's kind of important. It's important because the French, like this guy, they're all about the ooze and and ooze, the gushiness and the ookiness, and I love that. So the body is not, you know, he actually incorporates the body, rather. He, he, he kind of goes, no, 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 listen, you're not a vat in a jar. You're, you're a body. And that's how you learn things, too, is, is um, being enmeshed in this world, the corpority of consciousness, if you will. I know, and he repeats it over and over in this book, but I liked it. Let me see if I can find you a decent quote. Okay, the f I, I left the book at home, and I'm so mad because I actually really enjoyed um, his writing in The Primacy of Perception. He goes, insofar as I have hands, a feet, a body. Hold on, I just fucking minimized that. Oh, uh, 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 as far as I have hands, feet, a body, I sustain around me intentions which are not dependent on my decisions and which affect my surroundings in a way that I do not choose. Wow, what the fuck, man? <sighs> so there you go. So now to add on to this thought of being rooted in the world, uh, in a body and the primacy of perception, the the... the you, you can't escape from your senses. It's not, you're not independent of them. Well, let's add another thing to that. Let's add another thing to that. Perception is rooted in the body. What about, if we're taking down this tangent, there's also like physical 
sense memory, there's unconscious memories, there's conscious memories also, there's trauma, there's, you know, it's so crazy, man, I was just talking to my shrink about like, I was in Indy last week, and, and I hate the snow, I absolutely, I don't like snow, you know, partially because I was raised in California, but the first four lives in my four lives, four years of my life, were spent in Canada. And uh, I was born in Windsor, Ontario. Thank you very much. Across from Detroit. <laughs> I, hear, I hear Windsor's very glamorous. I was uh, the Bergen, the Bergen of Canada, if you will. That's, that's how I was raised. But I, anyways, I, I remember, I told my shrink, I go, I fucking hate snow. I hate being in it. I feel, I feel claustrophobic. I, I get anxiety in snow and she goes well it's interesting because when you lived in Canada weren't your parents you know fighting a lot and 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 I go yeah yeah they must have been because they were they divorced shortly after we moved and um you know and even though as a very small child I probably didn't have the language to whatever uh convey like what I was seeing or process what I was seeing it's in you and when you go into the world with these kind of sense memories or unconscious memories, you better believe that's going to impact your perception of things. And to that point, I go, well, then, okay, then how does one ever truly remain present? It doesn't seem logically possible, because if you're bringing in your prior experiences, if you're bringing in the past, the past trauma, of your childhood, of last week, of the last time, let's say last time I was in DC, I was mugged. And now I'm, you know, how do you see DC with fresh eyes this time? It's almost impossible as a human being to remain present. I I just, I mean, what do I, I I must need to have like head trauma or amnesia of some kind or be pretty fucking stupid. (laughs) I gotta be a dum-dum. I don't know. It seems logically impossible, you know? Like, people say they love their dogs um, and their pets, your cat or whatever you have, because your animals are present, right? They're, they're, not, they're not thinking about the past. They're not worried about the future, you know? On the other hand, my dog doesn't have a mortgage. <laughs> my dog... Uh, you know, doesn't have to worry about taking the trash down on on Sunday nights for trash day, Monday morning. So yeah, hello, it's easy to stay present when you're a dog, and you have no responsibilities. I don't know. So let's, let's start this topic. And I got some wonderful tweets and emails about the Andy Haynes episode. A lot of you wrote to me about that line that he said, man, that line, he goes, the past, worrying about the past is depression and worrying about the future is anxiety. Wow. Right? Didn't that like blow your minds? And I thought about it for so long. And um, every time I start to get anxiety, I start to think like, oh, well, you're just, you're, you're worrying about the future. Don't do that. Try, try to stay here. Try to stay with it. Right. But then, okay. So, Let's say you're you're not in your past, but if you don't think about your past, aren't you doomed to repeat that? Isn't that um, isn't that the whole point? Is to like learn from your mistakes and move forward? I don't know. You know, I got this great email 
uh, from this girl. She was from Melbourne. A lot of a lot of you guys like that all this mayhem episode, and I I know why, man. It struck a chord with me. I you know I should I saw that movie months ago, and it still sticks with me. Those Pappas brothers, and of course now I'm obsessed with skateboarding documentaries. <laughs> I've been watching nothing. I just love skateboarders. They're so crazy. Skateboarding is crazy. Who decides to jump on a stick with wheels and then fling themselves? into a swimming pool or like the railing on a staircase and do like twists and these these kids there's this great documentary right now i'm watching about stacy peralta um and it's called the the bones what the fuck oh the bones brigade about you know tony hawk and uh what's that guy christian hasoy and all these guys They started competing professionally when they were like four years old, practically, okay? I mean, look, Tony Hawk was skateboarding from the time he could walk. And uh, these were little boys. These were teenagers. And they were creating moves or whatever the hell, moves. Listen to me, I sound like my dad. There's good moves. (laughs) Creating, um, like, skateboarding tricks, I guess is what they're called, that are used by skateboarders today, like back in the 80s, like... Some guy creates the ollie at the age of 13, and now everyone does that. And then this other guy does the McTwist, and now we're all doing the McTwist. And you're like, whoa. And here's the thing. The reason I bring up skateboarding um, and this idea, that that is very transcendent. Because I'll tell you what, none of those guys, from what I can tell, maybe Hawk was the exception to the rule. A lot of those guys came from really bad homes. If you pay attention and you listen, a lot of these guys came from, you know, single-parent families. Not that that necessarily dooms you to being uh, dysfunctional or whatever, but, you know, they were essentially street kids because what parent, what sane parent would allow, you know, Stacey Peralta to come to your house, some some 30-year-old white guy, and be like, hey, can I, can I take your 10-year-old son on the road? Can I take him on skateboarding contests in my van? <laughs> what parent goes, yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Yeah, of course. Take take my child. No, it's just, it's absurdity. So clearly there's some stuff going on with these kids. But what a wonderful thing to do to channel that into skateboarding into something positive. So here's an email I got from one of you guys. I, I, I will keep these anonymous because I, I want to respect you. So first of all, first of all, the word isn't Bergen, like I thought. <laughs> the word the word is Bogan. B-O-G-A-N. And I guess because of the Australian accents, I can't I couldn't <laughs> hear Bergen. So apologies, Australians. I did not understand that. Um Okay, so here it goes. This email goes. I come from classic Bogan stock. So the issue of free will versus bogan destiny. I love that, man. Bogan destiny is something I really grapple with. The recent episode was 100% relevant to my neuroses. Working hard every day (laughs) to not pappus myself over here. Hilarious. Pappus myself. I love it. I'm a Melbourneian, and I can't even say Paran. That's the word of the Paran Park. So I got to commend you on your attempts with that, too. So there you go. There you go. I mean, are we all not bogans? <laughs> Which, who of us isn't a bogan? You know, I mean, 
it's funny because the more that I do this podcast and the more that I I learn about my own past and I realize that, you know, you're lucky if you do come from a background where you don't have an alcoholic parent or a mentally ill parent or you're born, you know, in a trailer park or maybe maybe you had a just a, a, a weird thing to you that was weird. So many people grow up with these these pasts. Um, and how the, how do you come how do you overcome them? And especially because perception, which is the, the point of this this episode, and Marlu Ponty, we are of the flesh of the world, we are embedded in the world. That is how you know things and in this life world. You're not some um perfect rational being, which I think is what Descartes and those guys were trying to strive for, is trying to actually uplift humanity. And say like, no, 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 we can be purely rational, pure reason. That was what the modern period was, the philosophy was all about, trying to get pure abstraction, pure reason, pure logic. And, and that really isn't possible, unfortunately, because we are human beings unfolding in the epoches of Husserl, in these life worlds, the Lebenswelt. Um, it's, it's nearly impossible. And here's the, here's the real zinger of it the real zinger when you think about it even more while well, you're fucking my mind's already blown is that your perception is skewed okay you're not there's no such thing and not only that your perception can be really skewed okay because as human beings we have selective seeing did you know that did you know that you have selective seeing and hearing and understanding you do everybody does like, have you ever been with a friend, like, you could be with, like, your best friend or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, and, like, you're walking down the street, and, like, lo and behold, there's a homeless guy meowing and taking a shit. Just meow, 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 and, like, shitting. And you turn to your friend, and you go, whoa, dude, did you just see that guy? Did you see that guy? And your friend goes, what guy? What? What guy? How did you not see that guy? He's meowing. He's meowing like a crazy person and taking a shit. And it infuriates me. And in fear, I have a friend that's notorious. Nope, don't see it. And, and you're like, well, how could we live in the same world? And you didn't see the same thing that I saw. Are you ever have an argument with someone like you're, you, you know, with my husband, I know we'll have a fight. And it, it's like you keep going in circles, right? You guys keep fighting about the same shit. And it's because you're not able to see the other person's point of view. You're not understanding, truly seeing and hearing, opening your hearing up to what they are saying to you. Because if you were, you might be able to understand where they're coming from and their point of view. So now take that a step further and realize when you're walking around in this world and you're driving, that there's a lot of people who aren't even sensing the same world. Do you understand that? that? That you can say something to somebody and they totally, totally misinterpret that thing. Like I, I do it all the time. I do it for a living. I communicate jokes to people. And you'll see some people, you know, get very reactionary to just a simple joke. Something I say triggers something in them. And they hate me. And I can see them change. <laughs> you know, every it was fun until until that bitch started talking about blah, blah, blah. And you can see you can see their brains 
going. And, and my intent would be to, you know, make people laugh and be silly, but they've just misinterpreted my intent because of their perception. So everyone's got their own perception goggles on, which makes it virtually, I mean, you, when you think about it, like, how the hell do we get anything done? Because we're all perceiving the world in such different ways. And I'll give you some examples from my life, like, because of my uh, background, like because uh, of my um, my childhood crap, like this is pre-therapy Christina, okay? So pre-therapy Christina would really m misinterpret everyday events. Like, like, you know, okay, like every time my boss would call me into the office, when this is back when I had bosses, I would immediately panic. I would immediately panic and be like, oh shit, what's going to happen? I'm getting fired. Everything is awful. And then, <laughs> right? Right? Don't you hate that? Like you, you assume what's going to happen. It's going to be the worst. And why is that? Well, because maybe you've had some, some wiring, some wires that got crossed somewhere in your life that told you that's how it went. You know, you, you hear a lot of stuff early and then you assume that that's, how the pattern will repeat, right? My, my, my mother was wonderful. She told me great things like the world is a bad place and <laughs> it's full of people who want to, you know, screw you over, um, stuff like that. You know, you know how much I heard that traveling was dangerous? Oh my goodness. Don't even think about traveling. You're, you're going to get, you know, beaten and robbed and stolen and this and that. And I got to tell you, I've been, you know, knock on wood. Oh my God traveling now for many years. I've traveled to Afghanistan, to war zones. I've traveled everywhere and, and not once have I had anything horrible happen. And um, so, yeah, but imagine if I had gone into every traveling situation with, oh my God, I'm going to die. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> and a lot of us go through life just that way until you can have your perception changed, which is really the essence of new learning. That is the essence of, of perception, of having your perception changed. You must be open to another possibility of being and seeing. And that's the struggle. And that's the hardest part of being a human being is to be open to the other possibility. Um, it's so interesting. And like that email, that Bogan email, that girl in Melbourne, you know, that I, that's what she's doing every day. She's she's trying not to Papa's brother herself. <laughs> she's trying not to to be the, the Bogan forever. And that takes it. That's a constant thing to do. And it starts on a very small level. That's that's every day of your life is is trying to see shit from a different perception, from a different Lebensfeld from the flesh of the world and to see what's really happening in the flesh of the world, not to put your impressions on it, not to put your past projections on your present, because that's how you get tangled, right? That's what the poor Pappas brothers were doing. Do you think that that Tuss Pappas is really fighting Tony Hawk? Is that really what that's about? Maybe. But also, I think there might be a little other stuff going on. Maybe maybe Pappas is fighting his dad, his uncle, who, who fucking knows? But he, you know, to go into something with that different perception as opposed to what's really happening, that's how you get tripped up. 
Uh, I was reading Kim Gordon's new book. She's the the bassist from Sonic Youth. She's like, oh, I just love Sonic Youth. Um, really neat lady, man. I highly recommend. It's called Girl in a Band. If you're interested in her and, and Sonic Youth, you know, she was with Thurston Moore for like 27 years. I don't even know if that's right. They're married forever and they're in this band together. So talented. And then Thurston Moore cheats on her with some 20-year-old shocker. And... Um, and they divorced and um, the world, like anybody that's a fan of Sonic Youth was like, what the fuck? Because they were like our parents in a way, you know, you're like, well, if Kim, you know, Kim and, and Thurston can't make it, then what hope do I have? Like those two are meant to be together, right? But I was reading about Kim Gordon because she's this really mysterious like icon she's if you if you ever see photographs of kim gordon god i wish i could take photographs like kim gordon you know those people that take really mysterious photographs like they're so cool and their hair is like messy but messy cool and oh, i always wanted to be that like that cool and i never am i always end up smiling super big like i'm just so pleased that somebody wants to take a picture with me <laughs> I, I can have just play a cool Pajitsky like nope nah I still get excited when someone wants to take a picture with me so so Kim Gordon check this out this will blow your mind if any of you are like struggling with um day-to-dayness with fighting your your bogan background listen to this shit so Kim Gordon uh she's an LA girl like me she was raised in LA she was raised by the beach lucky lucky not the San Fernando Valley like me but so she, um, her parents were married, but they kind of tuned out the kids. And this is in the 60s. This is before, like, this is probably just the beginning of psychology and the idea of actually probably talking to your kids and paying attention to them. Because <laughs> I think children were seen and not heard up until, like, what, uh, the 90s? Is that about right? <laughs> I feel like the 80s, they didn't give a shit about us either. <laughs> so Kim Gordon grows up in L.A., cute blonde girl and her brother is schizophrenic but they don't know it because you know psychology and diagnosing people with schizophrenia really wasn't a big thing yet so she grows up with this brother who is on you know the onset of schizophrenia it's coming in and he's really like um i don't know i don't think abuse oh, yeah abusive abusive to her like he kind of shits on her for showing feelings so she learns to modulate her feelings around him to escape his wrath like basically he just torments her if she's too high or too low or whatever so she learns to keep herself flat in order to survive being with her schizophrenic brother and i thought wow man like that's deep bro like that's heavy because if that's forming your perception of the world and that's your formative your formative years are spent catering to your schizophrenic brother's brain how does that affect your perception of the world as an adult? And, you know, she went on to become an amazing artist. Obviously, she parlayed it into something positive, much like um, my my beloved skateboarders. Because it, a lot of people, when you go through something like that, you feel very alienated. Because not everybody grows up with a schizophrenic brother and parents that have tuned out to the situation and don't rescue you from it. And you grow up feeling like an alien and you think, well, shit, this is, you know, I'll never be a cheerleader. I'll never be normal. And no, you probably, maybe you won't. 
But the beauty of it is that you can look inside of yourself and, and go inward and turn it inward. And from the inside out, create your life, design your life. So I think the danger is, this is what Kim Gordon was talking about, is, uh, is to compare yourself to people who are quote unquote normal, which I got to tell you, the older I get, I, I haven't met many of them. Um, don't compare yourself, look inside, do your own thing. And when you create from the inside out, it's, it's uh, appearing to be much better. It's much easier for human beings. <laughs> and also to acknowledge, this is an interesting one too. And I had this epiphany on the beach the other day, uh, is that change, right? Life is, is in, the nature of life is in change. Everything changes. And I, and I don't mean that. And I, I used to think of change in terms of major events, right? Like, you know, maybe you get married, or maybe you get divorced, or maybe something happens to you over the course of like a week or two, and that's change. No, dude, change is ever present. The present, rather, the present that we're trying to be present for, <laughs> guess what? It's ever changing. Each day, each moment, each thing is brand spanking new. Even though it appears to be the same, it actually kind of isn't. And I think if you allow yourself to perceive the subtle changes and to allow the world to reveal itself to you, like Heidegger talks about, right? The revealing of being as opposed to us imposing our views on it. There's something beautiful to be seen in that. And that's, you know, like you ever... uh I know in a marriage, especially in marriage and in relationships, guys, you got to let the other person change to be better because that's not fair. That's not cool. You ever have someone who won't let go of who you were when you were shittier? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was a very, you know, I was a very rebellious teenager. And I, there are some family members who don't see me as a 38-year-old you know, fully actualized adult, but still see me as the angry, rebellious 15-year-old who, you know, was smashing mailboxes uh, and shoplifting. And like, dude, I'm not that person anymore. And to those people who don't allow you to change, it's very, it's lame and it's frustrating. And I think the key is to, you know, be consistent over time and hopefully people see the new changes in you. But to be to be a person who's receptive to change in others, you know, like uh, if my husband and I fight about something, I don't want to hold it against him forever. Remember that time you 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 know you didn't take the trash out, and I told you, you're always gonna be that guy. Like why why are you torturing people? Let let people change. Let people change. Look at look at the uh, Tuss Pappas. He changed. He did. He went through. An, ex an intense period of suffering. He went to jail twice, but he did. He actually came out transformed and, um, and, a, and a new dude. And that is like so hard and so wonderful. But, um, but yeah, but he, he, his family has to let him be changed, be a changed person, be a new person. And I know, man, look, I get it. I get it. I, I remember very clearly when I worked a, a day job and I would wake up in the morning and my first fucking thought when I opened my eyes was shit. Another fucking day. Another. I got to go. I got to get in my car. Fuck. And I got to 
sit in traffic on the 405 and then I'm gonna see fucking Wendy and then Wendy's gonna be like how was your night what did you do and then I have to be like really I have to tell you what I did last night what do you care and then they're all gonna be talking about American Idol then I don't give a shit about American Idol and then and then we're all gonna decide what time to go to lunch and then lunch is gonna suck because I don't really like these people bake a bake a bake a bake a boo and on and on and on and then I remember the last time I worked a day job I I decided I wouldn't succumb to that culture. I decided that I was going to be a different person and that I wouldn't associate with the Wendy's, that I wouldn't associate with people who, A, wouldn't allow me to change or want better things, um, or B, who are fucking bummers, you know? (laughs) We had Joe Rogan on your mom's house a couple weeks ago, and I was listening to Joe, and I thought... this guy fucking sounds like a winner you know when you you listen to people and you're like dude you get it you're a winner there are winners and there are losers man and you can either like you could fly with the fucking losers or you can try to try to fly with the more positive people right get in the lane which brings me to my absolute favorite hero of all time i was thinking about Pippi Longstocking. Do you remember Pippi fucking Longstocking, bros? Pippi Longstocking is my hero. I think, you know, I worked in animation 10 years ago uh, for a company called Deke, and I begged them. I was like, bring back Pippi Longstocking. It's the, it's just the coolest property for kids. I love it. And they weren't into it. But Pippi Longstocking for those of you who don't know, for those of you who didn't grow up in the 70s or the 80s, uh, Pippi was created by Astrid Lindgren. Lundgren? Not Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Astrid. God, let me look this shit up. I don't want to mess this up. She was a 42-year-old lady. Hold on. Uh, Swedish. Let me see. Pippi Longstocking. And, um, Yeah. Yeah, Astrid Lindgren. And I remember reading these books when I was a very little girl, and I, I absolutely loved it. So Astrid Lindgren is essentially the, um, what's that bitch that writes all those Harry Potter movies? J.K. Rowling. So she's like J.K. Rowling of today. Pippi was named by Lindgren's uh, then nine-year-old daughter, Karen. This is great. Who requested a get-well story from her mother one day when she was homesick from school. Fantastic. Now, here's why I fucking love Pippi Longstocking. Well, first of all, she's a redhead. She's freckled. She's nine years old. And nine years old is what they say is the magic age for girls. It's this time in our lives where we're we're just full of power. And, you know, we're a little smelly. We're a little stinky. And we're not self-conscious. And then what happens is puberty hits and bam, there goes the self-esteem. You know, Jesus Christ. Then then comes the uh, awful health talks where you learn about your period. God forbid you get a period. Your boobs grow and now you've got the training bra. And now you got to go to the department store with your mother. And she's embarrassing you in front of the sales ladies because they're fitting you for a bra in the middle of the, 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 the floor there. And, and you've got, you know, five Ukrainian women touching your boot. It was, it's the worst. Puberty is the worst. I can't, I can't believe people make it out of adolescence. Oh, it's just the worst time. But there is this time 
right before nine years old. And I do remember loving being a nine-year-old girl. There's a freedom um, in that time. And that's where Pippi is. And Pippi is fearless. She lives in um, Villa Villa Kula, which is like her rad-ass house. She has a monkey, Mr. Nielsen, and her horse. I believe she names him Old Man. Uh, And first of all, she's an orphan. Well, more or less an orphan. Her mother is dead. And her dad is like a sea captain. (laughs) So rad, dude. So basically, she's alone, chilling in her cool-ass house. She's got her next-door neighbor friends, Tommy and Annika. But they're raised by, like, super nerd parents, like, super square. And they don't like it when she hangs out with Pippi because Pippi's lawless, dude. I mean, Pippi, like, her house is all disheveled. She's just got a chest full of gold. She's a millionaire, but she's not pretentious about it. See, here's the deal, dudes. Pippi Longstocking is an anarchist, fucking punker, rad. So she's transcending class because she's got this money but she's not a dick about it. It's not important to her if her friends are rich or not, but she does take all the kids to the candy shop and buy them candy, and she's like, that's what's up. I'm Pampy Lockstocking, y'all. She doesn't uh, care about authority. It's not that she's against authority. It's that Pippi Longstocking transcends authority. She doesn't, she doesn't, uh, she laughs at the very idea of authority, which is amazing. There's this one movie where Pippi beats up cops. She beats up cops, a nine-year-old girl. And she has super strength, obviously. She can lift her horse above her head. Um, yeah, I think super strength is her only power. Um, but yeah, dude, she, she's, she dresses all crazy. She dresses how she wants to. She's totally DIY. Um, she's totally creative. Her, she doesn't go to school, because why would you? You're Pippi Longstocking. She never goes to school. When her, uh, She does go one one time for like a total of four hours, and she hates it, because the teacher asks her to draw a horse on the chalkboard, but she decides to draw it on the entire wall. What? Thus, thus basically, you know, a screw you to the teacher. And I love it. She's totally, totally self-reliant and just totally above, above all kinds of bullshit. Um... But I also realized that Pippi, I believe her dad's an alcoholic because she's got like some classic trauma survivor shit going on. So her mother's dead and her father's a sea captain. And then Pippi sails the seas, the high seas. No, wait, there's one movie. Hold on. Pippi sails. Is it Pippi sails the South Pacific? Let's see. Yeah, Pippi in the in the South Seas. <laughs> the, what happens is she finds a, a message in a bottle and it's from her dad. And her dad, who's like a deadbeat sea captain, he steals money, basically, and he sends it to her. First of all, how fucking dysfunctional is that? Like, the dad doesn't even care about her, like, doesn't take care of her, but he sends her money, like, oh, just throw some money at it. Anyway, he sends her a message in a bottle, and the message is like, oh, Pippi, help, I've been captured by pirates i've been kidnapped i'm in this dungeon or whatever come rescue me pippy and pippy like a good child of 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 an alcoholic parent her and her codependent abusive world heeds the call she's like yeah yes father i will save you i will save you from yourself how sick and fucking dysfunctional and wonderful is that (laughs) 
Ah, the Pippi Longstocking saves her shitty alcoholic dad from pirates. Oh, it's fantastic. So she has these wonderful magical powers, um, which I understand that children need to believe in having magical powers to conquer the awfulness of their lives, which is why children love believing they're magical, right? Because you got to get through trauma somehow. And that is Pippi Longstocking. She... She transcends it all, man. Pippi is my fucking hero. I absolutely love Pippi. Oh, and another thing about Pippi that's fantastic is that she creates a lot of um, mischief. She's very mischievous. And, and that is something that little girls are told not to be, especially American girls. We're very discouraged from being rascally, from being loud, from being unkempt god forbid you shouldn't uh, look like a barbie god forbid uh, you should have two different colored socks on god forbid you know you should be a little a little stinky and a little weird and pippi longstocking embodies all of these things and is like superhuman and it's just the coolest thing ever so check out these wonderful movies man i, I you can find them on youtube the best part about them, I didn't even mention this, is that because they're made in Sweden, <laughs> I remember in L.A., like, uh, on Sundays, they would play these Pippi movies. And, you know, you're a little kid. You're just so happy that something for children is airing on television. Because there, there was no such thing as, like, children's programming until Nickelodeon came along in the... In like the mid to late 80s and they had like you know two tv shows worth watching like you can't do that on television was one of them and then i don't even remember there was like nothing for kids there was cartoons in the morning or even cartoons in the afternoon not not like today where there's nothing you know special channels give me a break so anyways sunday afternoon or uh, whatever weekend pippy longstocking movie would come on and i would lose my mind because there was movies were so special and so different but the best part is that they were dubbed poorly so i mean as a little kid you're like wait a minute i see her mouth is moving but she's not saying the right thing and you can tell that they tried to sync up what she might be saying with the mouth movement with like the dialogue like they would write it over they would write it weird and you're like what but it kind of fit because you knew they were foreign so you're like i don't know this is some weird Swedish thing. I don't know what what this girl's talking about. But uh but that was super fun, man, growing up on on uh Pippi Longstocking. Check check her shit out. If you've forgotten what it is to embrace change, to um to constantly challenge your perception of your own realities, watch Pippi Longstocking and do some acid. No, don't do acid anymore. You're too old to do acid. But check that stuff out, man. All right, that's it for me. You know, I'm sitting in this room uh, in D.C. I've got two shows tonight. And um, fuck, let's see. See, that's another thing, man. I see what I'm doing right now. I'm like, oh, I got, I got two shows. I'm already thinking of the future. I'm already going, oh, I'm stressing out about stuff that's not even happened yet. <laughs> I got to stay present, right? And to stay present means to question my perception of what is happening right now. I think that's a more, um, I don't know, a more uh, intuitive way of looking at that saying of, well, just stay present, man. Just stay present. Well, 
Maybe instead say, let's question where you're at. If you're feeling ooky about something at the moment or you're having a fight with somebody and you guys can't figure it out or when things are going, kind of ask yourself, am I, am I seeing this clearly or is this me throwing something special onto it? Am I seeing the world through some skewed lenses here or is the reality quite different than what I'm seeing? You know, like you, like me, I'm, I'm on the road and I, sometimes I get grumbly about traveling. Like, ah, I gotta go to DC. I can't believe I'm flying into a storm when in my home it's 80 degrees and sunny today. And, you know, I could be at the beach right now. Ah, goddamn grumbling. And then I realize, wow, I'm gonna do like one of the best clubs in the country. I'm gonna tell jokes to people for, for money, for God's sakes. And I'm gonna meet a lot of cool people and it's gonna probably be a fantastic experience. And then you gotta switch your mind around and the reality of it is, it's not so bad. It ain't so bad. And there you go to my my bogan friends all over the world. Just know uh, perception changes every day. The world changes every day. And keep your mind right and hopefully shit will work out. <laughs> Is that what Descartes said? Get your mind right. Get your mind right. And don't call my house on a Sunday. I believe that was Descartes. All right, guys. That's it. That's been Deep Bro. Uh, thank you for listening to this. Send me your emails. That's Deep Bro Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear about. Um, I do take them into consideration. And, hey, email me any questions you have, too. I think it's fun to hear what you guys are thinking about. Um, but don't tweet them at me because I'll just I'll lose them. Email's the best. That's deep, bro. Uh, I think it's podcast. Let me double. Let me double check on that. That's deep, bro. Podcast at gmail.com. Because I, I do forget. Um, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, that's deep, bro. Podcast at gmail.com. There we go. Send me emails. Let me know what you're thinking about. And uh, yeah, bros, have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye! Freckles on her nose, dear little Dio girl came riding into town one day. Dear little she was quite a sight. It's Pippi Longstocking, hey ho ho ha he ha ho.
Yeah, it's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.